So, just take a quick drink. It's not gin and tonic today, it's okay, it's okay. Just make sure that you knew that. We had some people praying for me on the front row after last week. <laughs> so we're going to continue with this vision month or complete it. We began, uh, did we not, in understanding that Apex as a church made up of households and house churches is quite a different kind of reality. It, it, shares a, <clears throat> it shares a common DNA with the church across the world and throughout the ages, but it has a particular expression, a way of being, a way of doing. And that, that being and doing is expressed in our going together. We looked so, at some of the ways in which we have been supporters and and participants of global mission, local mission, and um, regional mission, like the mission that we saw today from the Miami Valley Leadership Foundation. We looked at that. We looked at some new opportunities and thought through some ways in which Bible studies where where we're not teaching, but we're allowing the Holy Spirit to elucidate the word and to reveal to people who Jesus is how they can become central to what it is that we're seeing God do in these coming weeks and months. And surely at the Rosonde Learning Community, we'll be discovering more about that. So we looked at the going team. We, we looked at the growing team, the team that focuses specifically on the development of leadership within the Apex wider community, on the development of households within the wider Apex community and how those households can, can express and be the, the principal delivery system of the work of the kingdom through us as a, as a united body of Christ. And then this week, the gathering team, as you've heard from them and are now hearing from me as I lead in the communication role, in the proclamation role here in the gathering team, you've heard from us about this three-course meal that God wants to place before us online and in-house each week. The three-course meal of worship, word, and ministry. I know some of you are real dessert people, and so maybe you're just waiting for the ministry time at the end. Others of you, like me, you're not too worried about the hors d'oeuvres or, the, or the, um, the starters. Maybe you're not too worried about the salad, but you just want to get to the meat. Well, that's the, the central part of our worship experience. We, of course, want to see that as, a, as an expression of God's kingdom. God's kingdom, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is articulated in many different pictures, but one of the most common pictures is the picture of a banqueting table. I've just got a rather small representation of that right here. And the table represents the continuum of our life together, the continuum of our life which is made in house churches and households and in gatherings 
And as we read in a moment from Acts chapter 2, you'll see that from the very beginning, the DNA of the church of Jesus Christ was always to meet in homes and meet in a public space. And so the tabletop of the banqueting table is something that is defined both by the household gathering and by the public meeting. But this, this table is held up by four legs. And uh, we're going to look at those legs today. And we're going to think through the most appropriate ways in which they're expressed and the ways in which we're sensing God emphasizing particular elements of those legs as we see him unfold this continuing and growing vision among us. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. The new disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I was um, particularly struck by the story of Aretha Franklin so beautifully portrayed in the acting of Jennifer Hudson. In these last few days I've been particularly reflecting on this amazing story, the voice of a generation, maybe the voice of a century. That uh, movie called Respect, which as a muso and as a, as a kind of a culture vulture would be the kind of thing that I'd watch anyway. But as a Christian, I was surprised at the articulation of the gospel, the story of her own discipleship journey, and how the very zenith of that portrayal of that narrative led to her singing Amazing Grace. That rendition by Jennifer Hudson was so close to the original. You can go and find the original online on YouTube anytime. It's part of a documentary that took years to finally put together. A documentary that was, that was first uh, filmed in the uh, early 70s, but took many, many years to come to completion. And something I saw uh, just a little while ago. But what, I, what struck me about Aretha's life is how it seems to articulate so many lives that my life intersects with. As I seek to live as a man of witness, as I seek to prepare my sermons out in the public forum, 
as I seek to build relationships with people who do not darken the door of a church, I've noticed how burdened people are. And I've been around a long time, but I would say that the level of burden is greater now than I've seen at any other time in my life. The, the levels of anxiety, the levels of collective grief, the, the sense of struggle, the feelings of desperation and depression that, that seem to cloud so many of our, of our judgments, so much of our experience. In Aretha's life, you saw her acting in a way that was so foreign to her, to her home with Christ because she was compensating and seeking to find answers in relationships and, and in another story, which, of course, led to no satisfaction. And then at the end of this amazing movie, she's talking to the pastor who will lead the worship gathering that will be filmed and in which she will give this most remarkable rendition of Amazing Grace, speaking to her and saying to her that Jesus never left her. That he walked with her through thick and thin. And in the darkest times, he was still present. You see, that's the context in which God is laying a table. That's the situation in which God brings out the table, unrolls the tablecloth, and begins to fill the table until it groans under the weight of goodness and glory. And the public expression of that is intended to be the gathered church of Jesus Christ. The church that is committed to the four legs that hold up this table, that hold up this table so that all can gather, so that all can reach, so that all can find bounty and blessing. Like those first believers on that first day after Pentecost, 3,000 added to their number. And on that day, the new believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And as if to articulate, if you like, the extent to which this lifestyle lived out in these four legs that hold up the banqueting table, the apostle said that we will commit ourselves to extend our lives to the very boundaries of these things and, and we'll give ourselves to preaching and to prayer. And the people, of course, 
saw so many ways in which God delivered the bounty of his kingdom. We saw last week that the breaking of bread, though no doubt on occasion was a public celebration, was almost always first experienced in the homes of believers. When people would share table fellowship together, they'd find a time in the week when they could share with one another, bring food and drink to share with those who had gathered to remember Jesus. And in that time, the gifts of the Spirit would be unfolded and made manifest among them. And the way in which those meetings would be led would be the way in which a host would host a dinner in their home. They would look for the participation of everyone around the table. And as they broke bread and drank wine, they remembered the broken body of Jesus and his poured out blood that changed everything. But in that gathering, there would be some whose prayers would sound like the prophets of old. Some who would pray in such a way that would bring exhortation to others. Others would share and speak and share testimony and, and teaching that they've, that they've received through the week. And as you host this time, when the Holy Spirit is present and made manifest among you, so the description Paul offers is a description where all come and all are expected to share their gifts for the common good and for the benefit of all. A time when the Spirit is able to be revealed in every member around the table. And so the breaking of bread was, of course, most especially expressed in the homes, but these other legs, the legs of proclamation, the apostles' teaching. Yes, the apostles did much of the teaching in those early days. Of course, they were the ones who'd spent all their time with Jesus and had been trained personally by him in multiplying his ministry. But it wasn't long before people like Stephen and Philip and others were able to not only carry forward the ministry of the apostles and Jesus, but to multiply it and extend it. Philip was the first to go to the Samaritans and then to the Africans through the Ethiopian eunuch. We see Stephen being the first martyr of the church, able to share clearly the apostolic teaching of Jesus. Proclamation was principally focused in one location, not a physical or a geographical location, but a personal location because all proclamation was about Jesus. He was the focus of the preaching of the early church and he was the filter by which people understood the scriptures, understood the impulse and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the way in which they understood the, the giving and the gathering of gifts at table fellowship. It was Jesus who was the filter 
and the focus and the stories of Jesus' life and the, and the articulation of his teaching meant that there was a frame in which revelation could be understood. And it's still true today. It is Jesus. And Jesus did the very thing that he trained his disciples to do. With the proclamation came the demonstration. With the proclamation came the revelation. With the proclamation of the kingdom came the inbreaking of the evidence of the kingdom as people's hearts were changed and transformed and they were born again, the greatest miracle. And people's bodies were healed and people's inner lives were made whole. Demons were cast out and minds were set at rest. Here, in the proclamation, there was a demonstration. And surely, as we have our three-course meal on a Sunday of worship word, we cannot surely miss ministry. Surely, if there's worship, which in the words of Jesus is worship of the Father in spirit and truth, and this proclamation, proclamation of Jesus as Savior and Lord, surely there has to be a demonstration alongside the proclamation. A demonstration that the kingdom is breaking in, that the king is wanting to cross the threshold into our experience and change our lives. Now, of course, often we need revelation to push us into that moment of transformation. And over the years, I've become familiar with listening to the Lord in, in ways that help me to understand how God wants to shape the ministry and the time of prayer where God will break in in his kingdom mercy. But Apex is not served well if someone on the platform does everything. And so over the months and years that I've been here, I've been working with those who come to pray in the morning and the evening. And I've been listening to their prayers. And I've been reflecting on how it is that Jesus is speaking to the heart of the church. And as the Lord has been giving freedom and confidence to those who come and pray, so there is an upwelling of revelation in those faithful hearts. Last week I shared with you some revelations that came out in the prayer time on the Thursday night. This week... It was quite interesting because I wrote them down and then went to complete my sermon preparation. And I mean, this is common for me. Those of you who know me well will know this. I didn't really register, but maybe somewhere in my heart there was something that was bubbling up. I'd been thinking through what it is to share this week and wondering how it is that God wants to, wants to reveal his word 
And I began to think of the banqueting table and certainly those who'd been praying as part of the prayer team suggested that to me, but I had no idea that these, these little revelations, these little vignettes of prophetic insight were there from Thursday evening. These were the things that people prayed. People are hungry. They need a banquet. They need to meet the Lord at his table. People are like an engine whose piston rings have become worn. And like an engine whose piston rings have been worn, they're losing power. They, they don't know where, where to get the power. They feel as though they've lost the power. And God says he wants to give you rest. And as he gives you rest, restoration. And as he gives you restoration, a fresh release of his power. There was a picture of a hand holding so tight that it was losing feeling. And as it lost feeling, so it lost grip. There was a word from Isaiah 40, 31 that the Lord wants us to wait on him and mount up on wings like eagles. There was a word about deep abiding joy that the Lord wants to give us, of peace that we can experience and carry with us, and a dream of those in the prayer team walking with someone to the front as if to an altar to see their burdens lifted away. They're the real thing. That's the real thing right there. That is God speaking his revelatory word to his people, through his people, for his people. There's a proclamation, and in the midst of the proclamation, there's a demonstration. But as well as a proclamation, there's a, there's a, there's a, a partnership that God wants his people to enjoy. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the proclamation, and to the fellowship, the participation in the partnership of the kingdom. And how is that most particularly expressed? It's most particularly expressed that there was no needy one among them, that they shared their possessions, that they were generous in their giving, that they partnered in the work of the kingdom by, by gladly and joyfully sharing their resources one with another for the benefit of the community and for the extension of God's work in the world. As a church, we're doing okay financially, but we're not actually hitting the numbers that will mean that we can make our budget. And so we'll have to draw on the God-given resources in reserves that we have to maintain the current budget. I don't know anybody on the staff team or who are participants or, or people who distribute or administer the elements of the budget who are living 
the life high on the hog. I don't know anyone on the staff team whose wage actually meets the level of the standard across the church in America. And I don't know what to say to you, the gathered company of believers here in-house or online, other than what we said before. We're in this together. And we sink or we swim together. And so the Lord will speak to you and will share with you how you should partner in the needs of the work. So there's proclamation, there's partnership. There is, of course, the breaking of bread, which is the participation in the household expression of the work of God's kingdom. And then there's prayer. So these, these things are all part of what it is that God wants to do among us. And with those four legs, we can feel that the table has a stability that means that it's not going to fall over. If this table had three legs, it would be interesting to put food on it. If one of these legs was very, very thin and frail, we wouldn't be able to put the bounty on it that we might want to because we knew that it would collapse. Let's come back to context again. What is it that God wants to do through the gathering online and in-house? My son reminded me of an experience that seems to kind of be a metaphor for a lot of what people are experiencing right now. We were online meeting in a Zoom room. He's a pastor down in Atlanta. There's a few of us chatting. And, and he said, do you remember seven years ago when you just got the truck? And I said, yeah, I, I think so, yeah. W which one do you mean? And he said, well, you know, the one where you fell asleep at the wheel. You see, my life at that time was a life of real challenge. I was trying to decentralize a global ministry into the various different continents and into the hub churches around the world that needed to be the place where this ministry should perfectly be expressed rather than a team of experts that lived in this glorious environment of Pawleys Island. And I was meeting with external criticism and internal division. Even though I knew that this was what it was that God has said, and in the end, it was ultimately my decision, along with Sally, to do that. And in the midst of this, our grandson, born prematurely, died. And so the grief was compounded with even more grief. It was difficult to sleep and it was hard to think clearly. And although I have a fairly 
strong constitution and a good capacity for work, I was becoming exhausted inside and out. Just like so many are in your friendships, in your families. And I was driving back from Charleston to Paulie's Island on the 17. It has a very, very large central median. You can get a football pitch in it. Football, not pitch, but you know what I mean. And in the middle, it kind of goes to a kind of little valley. And at particular times of year, this little valley fills with water because, of course, it's the low country and you dig a hole and you get water and it rains all the time. It's beautiful, but, you know. And I'm driving along and on the one side there's a beautiful forest and on the other side there's the median. And I woke up with the water rushing over the top of the truck. And I can remember looking up and seeing it through the sunroof. And then looking in front of me, realizing that I'd been asleep at the wheel. And somehow, I have no idea how, I reached to turn on the 4x4 and kept my foot on the accelerator and drove out of that three feet of water back onto the road. Pulled over onto the side of the road, which I was very glad I hadn't gone into, which is just full of trees. And just sat there shaking. And I think I said out loud, that was a close one. And I popped the hood and went and looked at the engine and it was just full of debris and turf and grass. And I mean, it took me 30 minutes to get it all out of the engine. And if you look at my truck today, you'll notice that the bottom spoiler has got a real funny bend in it. That's how I hit the water in the middle of the median. I think there are many today whose lives are compounded burdens of grief, of stress and sadness. And we need a banqueting table. We need a place where we can come to find refreshment for our souls. A place where we can come to put down our burdens so that we can eat. A place where we can come where someone can say to us, Sister, brother, you don't need to carry that burden to receive this bounty. And like the scriptures say, we help to carry one another's burdens, even though we're responsible for our own load. Yes, there are things for which we're responsible, things that we're supposed to carry because God will give us grace for those. But there are burdens that we attempt to carry that are not ours, but they're the Lord's. And he says, come to me 
all you who are burdened and heavy laden. And I'll give you refreshment. I'll give you rest for your soul. So I, I, do you see the picture? Do you get the vision? That's what the gathering's for. And whether you're faithfully meeting with us online, I mean, honestly, we look at the numbers online, it's like it's a proper congregation of a thousand people every week. So whether you're faithfully gathering with us online or with us here in the building, the Lord wants you to know that this is the place where you can gather in public to encounter his kingdom and the bounty of his mercy and the healing of his grace. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.